Welcome to the 401k Audit CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping companies across the United States prepare for their 401k audit. If you have 100 eligible participants in your 401k plan, then this podcast is for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast. Uh, Kim and I are really excited about today's guest. We have uh, David Ramirez for For Us All. Um, I'm really excited for some of the topics that he wants to talk about today. We just kind of did some some pre-show discussions here, and I'm actually excited to learn about a lot of the things he wants to talk about. But before we get to that, um, David, you want to give us a little bit of your background and kind of do your own introduction here? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, uh, well, first of all, Jamie, Kim, thanks so much for having us today. Uh, so I'm David Ramirez, the co-founder and chief investment officer here at For Us All. And For Us All, you know, we are a 401k advisor that happens to be a technology company. Uh, and <laughs> a quick background of the of the firm is, uh, you know, prior to starting this firm, myself and my co-founders, we used to manage about $55 billion in 401k assets, mostly for Fortune 500 companies. So our clients were Citigroup, Motorola, JCPenney, American Red Cross, you you name it. We worked with some of the largest organizations in the country. But back in 2012, we noticed a trend that you probably saw in your practice, which was that the Department of Labor was increasingly holding smaller and mid-sized companies to the same fiduciary and compliance standards that they did companies like Citigroup. Which didn't make sense because I can tell you for a fact, <laughs> Citigroup had four people whose sole job it was to keep their plan compliant. And they were assisted with an army of consultants and lawyers from some of the top firms in the country. So when we looked at small businesses, though, you know, they usually have half a person, maybe one person uh, to do the same job. And so what we did was we decided to found bring the same sort of technology platform that we provided to the largest companies down to the small and mid end of the market at a price point that made sense. And so what we've really rolled out is kind of an interesting blend between a technology platform and more of a traditional 401k advisor um, that we like to say allows plan sponsors to do a lot more for less. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm sure our listeners, um, they're probably going to be interested in, in hearing more about that. So we will, we'll, we're going to throw out some uh, email addresses here a little bit later if they want to uh, learn more about uh, what you guys do and uh, what you could do for them, because I think it's mm-hmm. a valuable service that a lot of um, plan sponsors might find um, very helpful, especially if they're if they're drowning right now in, uh, you know, we're right at the time period uh, where compliance on these 401k plans uh, can be a little bit overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So, um, David, I wanted to ask you, you know, we're, we're right in the middle of uh, the pandemic that we've been living through for uh, the last several months. Mm-hmm. I know here at Summit, um, it's been a challenging year for us on the audit side, but I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts. What are you hearing from your clients and uh, just as you're out in the in the industry? Yeah, well, um, you know, certainly the world has changed for almost everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it really depends on the industries that we work with. So we certainly have a lot of clients that are in the hotel and hospitality mm-hmm. industries. Um, and, you know, we've seen, we've helped some of our clients really navigate how to furlough up to 90% of their employees, uh, how to manage all of the impacts that that has on the retirement plan. But most importantly, you know, it's a really tough decision for employers to have to either furlough or lay employees off. And for us as a 401k advisor, that's one of the unique times where we're really able to go in and help that those employees transition. 
So it's, it's tough to lose a paycheck, but then those employees have a myriad of other financial challenges at home. You know, nearly one out of two Americans have, uh, or one out of two American households have suffered significant decline in their income in a time when most didn't have sufficient emergency savings reserves. So a lot of what we've been doing is working with plan participants to help them manage this significant shock to their income. And it makes it a little bit easier for the benefits teams, because at least that they know that there is somebody who is there to help their employees transition into this new environment. So, So certainly a much greater need for participant help Mm -hmm. is one area that we've been focusing. The other is compliance. Uh, Look, you know, one of the key aspects of what we do is automate all of the day-to-day administrative and compliance work for the retirement plan. So it's integrating the payroll system with the 401k system so that when an employee makes a change on the record keeper, it just automatically shows up in payroll. And then doing all of everything from notices, reviewing hardship withdrawals. And that's critical right now when there are so many HR teams that have to do so much more with so much less resources. That's what I was going to say. I, I know that's the one thing we've seen is that, uh, you know, the furloughing and the uh, laying off or whatever uh, avenue that folks are taking doesn't just hit the operations staff. It, it hits some of the administrative folks, too. So they're, they're working with fewer HR people. Uh, maybe that key payroll person had to leave or, or maybe had to leave on their own for, for mm-hmm. reasons of, of what's going on. So it's just been difficult. Uh, there's not a lot of transition time sometimes. And, uh, yeah, we, we found that uh, also with our clients. You know, another thing we mentioned was just communication. Mm-hmm. with um, all of your your current employees uh, as well as former employees because if they're still uh, participating uh, with assets in the plan, uh, there are communications that need to go on. So as, what have you seen in that space? Well, maybe in a couple of different realms. So the first is, uh, you know, early on in the early on in the COVID lockdowns, we saw the market drop quite quite significantly, yes. quite quickly. In fact, it was one of the largest, fastest declines that we've seen in history. And we started getting a ton of phone calls into our advisory team. So, you know, we for all of our clients, we provide financial advisors to help their employees. Well, employees were increasingly calling in, concerned about the market, wanting to pull out of equities and go straight into cash. Now, we know that that's a really bad idea. Uh, historically, when people sell at the bottom of the market, they're effectively locking in their losses. What we've also recognized is, you know, this is not the first time that there's been a significant health threat that has hurt the economies. We had SARS, we had MERS. Studying past outbreaks of diseases and the impact of the market, we were pretty confident going into this that what we've historically seen is a stops a sharp sell-off, but a relatively quick rebound once public health officials get things under control. So recognizing that a lot of employees didn't understand that, we figured, okay, we're, we're going to have to do a couple of things differently. First, we launched a, probably about two weeks after the market started declining, we launched a email and mobile campaign that we called Pause Boost. We told employees, hey, look, if you're really concerned uh, and you need extra cash in your pocket right now, no problem. Why don't you just pause your 401k contributions for the next three months? Or you might be looking at the depressed stock prices and thinking, wow, this is a great time to start saving more to lock in those, those lower asset prices. 
And so we launched that Pause Boost campaign, and it was really exciting. So we ended up, you know, about 40 to 50% of employees went through the communications, about 20% took action. So 10% of the overall participants did something um, with really one or two emails. And half of them chose to save more, and half of them chose just to pause. And for us, choosing to pause your contributions for 90 days was critical because people didn't end up setting their savings rates to zero. They didn't end up selling out of uh, equities and going straight into cash. And that's exactly kind of the behavior that we saw in 2008 and 2009 that we wanted to avoid. So that was one big change in employee communications. The second one was, boy, the CARES Act, right? (laughs) Distributions were always complicated. Uh, Right. And boy, they got a lot more complicated. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> you take a loan, yes. a hardship withdrawal, you could pay it back, you couldn't. And so we launched a number of communications during that period that really helped employees understand, A, do I qualify? B, what's the reason why I qualify? What's the impact on my retirement if I take money out now and don't pay myself back? And then, okay, so I need the cash. What's the best way for me to do this? Is it a COVID withdrawal or COVID loan? For the plan sponsors, these communications were key because as an employee went through those communications, we were effectively documenting uh, for each participant whether or not that participant was actually meeting the very strict uh, requirements for getting that particular type of distribution. So, so it, was a, it was a great uh, two for uh, making sure that everything was tightened up on the compliance side for the employers and making sure, most importantly, that the employees knew their options were taking advantage of the right option and knew what the impact would be on their retirement. Right. I can imagine, uh, you know, we're on the audit side, but I can imagine if uh, I was a plan sponsor, that would be a great help because they had a lot of other things, you know, to to wade through. <laughs> so uh, not that they don't care about their 401k plan, don't care about their employees, but uh, probably top of mind was just, how do I keep this business going, Right. Um, you know, during, during this difficult time? Uh, and I know we had some employers uh, that are clients that that had more business than they could handle, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if they were in the healthcare or in the uh, uh, so the ambulance business, you know, mm-hmm. we have a client that does that. Uh, they're very, very busy. And so they had the opposite problem. Um, but it seemed like everybody had a problem. It was it was one way or the other. So um, so that definitely helps. Anything else you can think of on the uh, on the current uh, kind of current front that you think uh, our listeners would uh, would like to hear about? Yeah. So the, the only last thing, so we talked about um, different types of proactive communications that we were sending that were really specific to things that were happening at any moment in time. The other thing that we've started doing, and this is really back in maybe the first or second week of March, um, was we started sending out a weekly market commentary, which look, I, I'm a portfolio manager. I love, yeah, I, I spend at least half an hour to an hour uh, reading all of the financial journals every day. So I love this stuff. Um, <laughs> but what I was surprised with was how many employees have actually been reading it. So we write this every week. It, it's a complete survey of everything that's going on in the markets, what's driving things up or down. And we're basically seeing about 40% of employees each week are reading this market commentary. You know, our advice to employees is not changing on a week-by-week basis. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the same core advice to employees is always really the same. You know, stay the course, be in a risk-appropriate diversified portfolio. But what we've seen is that 
just going that extra step and making sure that the employees know that, no, we actually are monitoring case counts, looking at how the downturn is impacting different credit markets, that that has given employees much greater comfort knowing that their advisors are actually staying on top of what's going on in the market and that it's not tone deaf advice. The last thing an employee wants to hear from an advisor when the market is declining is, don't worry, just stay the course, stay the course. That only makes sense if you trust that the person that's giving you that advice is actually staying on top of current events. (laughs) Right, right. That's very true. Yeah. And I, you know, I think most, uh, you know, your average employee doesn't really understand the investment uh, market. Uh, you know, they they want to trust someone. Um, so I'm sure giving them that information helps them feel comfortable, but um, also just gives them some information that they wouldn't mm-hmm. they wouldn't otherwise have. Do you get a lot of questions from the folks about what you send out? I'm I'm curious because, I, you know, I I sometimes the investment terminology can be. Uh, almost legalese, if you will. And so the the average employee <laughs> might find it difficult to understand. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think certainly we we frequently get questions from employees either through email or phone calls. We we do video chats with employees quite quite a bit. But I think one core tenant of what we do when we communicate with employees, and I, I don't care if you are a PhD epidemiologist and doctor and engineer. Look, if you're not in the financial services industry, you're probably not staying on top of all of the ling- the, the lingo to your point. And so right. a lot of what we do is really try and make um, the current financial news accessible to employees. And whether that's bringing it home to examples that are close or proximate to their lives is a great way to do that. And so it, it, it's always a balance. Right, right. Well, that's. I think that would be very useful because I know that's one thing uh, that I've seen over my career is uh, it really the investment when you get down to the fundamentals, it isn't that complicated, but it sure can seem like it if, if you're not, you know, if you're not that, you're not that familiar with. And I'm, it. I'm in accounting and still some of the language. I'm like, I'm not sure what that means. Like, I'm even in like yeah. in a financial industry, and there's still like there's a big difference between accounting and finance. And I'm, I'm in that. Yes. Well, and and how does that make you feel? Actually, when when you get that information, yeah, it um, makes you overwhelmed, right? You're like, "Wow, what do I know? What I'm doing here? How do I make sure I have the? Because money is an important thing, and my investments are an important thing. And when an email comes that doesn't make sense to me, you have to question yourself. Like, am I doing the right thing here? So, yeah, I think that uh, you know the the news doesn't help. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times you hear the sky is falling and. Um, you know, and oh, the market just tanked and it's never going to come back. And oh, you know, it's affecting everything. It, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's going to make the whole world fall apart. And I think it can be very scary to people. So I think having somebody kind of sort through that and just reassure them, but with knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. that that's not the case. And here's the historical background. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's very helpful. Yeah, I think a lot of what we do is... Um, is think about overall behavioral economics and how, and then also just overall classic user design. And and one thing that we've, that Jamie, I think you were, you were touching on now and describing, I I thought really perfectly is what happens when we communicate to employees in technical terms. And, you know, the industry for decades has talked about how irrational the average American saver is, right? They're not saving enough and how that makes no sense. And but our in in our opinion, it's actually quite rational for a lot of employees not to join the 401k plan. And the core reason is 
if you're presented with a ton of options, you get that welcome packet in the mail and, and you've got 20 or 30 different options. There's a lot of technical jargon. You know if 401k is good. You're not exactly sure if this one's good. You're not sure what your options are. Actually, the rational decision is to figure out what your choices are before you make a decision. The problem is that takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And so you'll look at it tomorrow. Tomorrow turns to next week, next week to next month. Before you know it, uh, 5, 10, 15 years has gone by before an employee starts saving. And so I, I think for us, some of our overall communication and design principles are, one, make sure that the information is understandable and accessible to anybody, regardless of industry, with one quick read. Two, Never ask a question that somebody can't answer off the top of their head in five to 10 seconds. And three, most importantly, you know, we're advisors, but the point is not to give somebody advice. I fundamentally think that when you're in a position where somebody has to go to the advisor and say, well, what should I do? That's a disempowering uh, interaction. It's like going to the doctor and yes. and and asking the doctor, like, oh, I, I'm feeling like, wh- what's going on? I, I, am I sick or not? A much more empowering interaction is one in which the advisor can help ask the right questions and present the right options, such that the person knows immediately what's right for them and their family in that moment. And as an advisor, that's definitely where where we strive to be. And and I think the results are. Well, people save a lot more into the 401k plan at a, at a lot higher rate. And yeah, so you want to yeah. avoid that pile that my, my wife makes for me. Like, this is the stuff we need to look through eventually. And then, like you said, we just kinda, right. you keep looking at it like, oh, maybe next week we'll look at it because you want to avoid that pile of the complicated stuff. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. And the pile just grows and grows and grows. It yeah, doesn't go down, does it? <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> you know, we've, all, we've all been there, done that one. Um, David, one thing I, I definitely wanted to, to touch on, because we have not really covered this in any of our other podcasts, is the fees associated with the 401k plan. I know um, we were talking before we got on the, the podcast here a little bit about that, but um, can you share your, your experience with that and what you're seeing and uh, some of the regulatory implications with that? I know that's a the kind of a hot topic now. Yeah, well, this is definitely a hot topic for a a number of different reasons. First, you know, this is the time of year that a lot of plan sponsors are doing a fee and service benchmark of their plan. And it's also the time when a lot of people are looking at potentially changing their 401k options. You know, I I was just looking at a, a recent GOA report that was looking at small business 401k plans. They found that 57% of plan sponsors didn't know their fees or thought that all the 401k fees were waived, which I can assure you, (laughs) the 401k (laughs) industry is not a nonprofit. No, no. That's amazing. (laughs) You know, I I, I mean, I'm sure you guys have have looked at fee disclosures um, in the past. Some record keepers and some providers are better than others at making it more simple. But even the simplest fee disclosure still... They're not simple. <laughs> They're not at all simple. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, um, you know, some might argue that that's by design. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm to be fair, I'm, that's a pretty good argument uh, that it might be by design. And we, we just, uh, uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've been doing a, an analysis. Uh, so plan sponsors give us their fee disclosures mm-hmm. oftentimes so that we could help them make sense, figure out how much they're paying. And we just did a big statistical analysis of 
different pricing on different record keepers. And it blew my mind how the same size company, relatively equivalent industries, same average balances, same asset levels on the same record keeper could be paying anywhere from 20 to 50% different prices for their 401k. It's the same product. (laughs) And I can't think of any other product where there's such a wide range of what people are paying for exactly the same thing. So a lot of what we've been focused, and that actually creates not only huge potential losses for the employees, but it also creates significant fiduciary risk for the plan sponsor, especially that person who's signing the 5,500. Because when you do that, not only is the Department of Labor looking to you as the person who doesn't just need to have a general idea of what you're paying. No, no. The Department of Labor wants you to be 100% certain you know exactly what you're paying. So there's a significant legal liability there. But more important than that, like, look, look around your office. All of those people you see, that's their life savings in most instances. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what they're paying, then we can't be sure that they're not overpaying. And, you know, the the recent data that I saw is, you know, one out of four plans that have around 20 million in assets, the the all-in investment fee is 0.9% or less. That actually means then that three out of four companies are overpaying. Right, right. Yeah, and I think that this area can be very complicated for the average person that, uh, you know, is maybe the CEO of the company or the president of the company, uh, head of HR, depending on the size of the company. It's not really their area of expertise. They don't get a lot of training on it. Um, any recommendations to the average plan sponsor out there? How do they figure all this out? <laughs> yeah, so so one of the, the things that we've been doing quite a bit over the last six months, especially given that companies and, and employees are all tightening their, their belts and wanting to make sure that every last dollar is spent in the right way, we can do a, it's actually a quick 15 minutes. We've got some tools that allow us to quickly analyze the fee disclosure so that first, you know exactly what your, your employees are paying. Second, you know exactly how that compares. And then third, and most importantly, you know what are the small tweaks you can do to significantly cut fees. And generally, for most plan sponsors that we look at, there's usually opportunity to reduce fees 30 to 40%. And the number one tactic that gets you close to there is actually just making pricing transparent. Most plans right now are still in small and mid-sized companies are still using revenue sharing. Mm -hmm. And that's the process by, you know, you've got the record keeper charges you a little bit for the record keeping fee. And then, you know, maybe the employees are paying anywhere from half a percent to one and a half percent on the investments. Well, a lot of those crazy fees on the investments are actually being paid back as in the form of kickbacks to either the record keeper or the advisor that recommended those funds. And so people don't really know exactly what they're paying for. But when you remove revenue sharing, which hint, that's pretty much what every single Fortune 500 company has done over the last 10 years. People know what they're paying. The record keepers, uh, you can see what the record keepers are charging. And that gives you tremendous ability to lower the overall cost of the plan. And it's a real quick, easy fix. That's one where you, do, in most instances, you don't even need to change record keepers. You could stay with what you got, just cut fees 20 to 30% and make it more transparent. 
Um, the other thing that we've seen is with renegotiating the record keeping costs, because that can be, particularly for some industries, a significant portion of the overall plant cost. If you've been with your record keeper anywhere from three to five years, that's the perfect time to renegotiate those fees. You know, record keepers, depending on the record keeper, they incur significant costs to set up your plan and they need to amortize that back. Uh, And depending on the record keeper, it takes them three to seven years to get their money back. What that means, though, is after they've gotten their money back, their margins are pretty high on your business. (laughs) That's exactly the last time that they want to lose your business. And so what we've seen is by getting a number of competitive bids from some of the lower cost record keepers, taking them back to your current record keeper is a great way for them to to sharpen their pencil. So what we like to tell clients is, look, you're going through the benchmarking. Let's set 30 to 50% as the goal and what we're going to reduce the fees. Most instances, you're able to do that on your current record keeper by removing the revenue sharing, getting competitive bids, and bringing them back to your current record keeper. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I think the transparency uh, issue you brought up is 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 right on point. Um, I know most of the folks that, that we talk to um, in our business, they don't even know that's going on. <laughs> not even they're not even aware of it. So so there's a cost there that they wouldn't even consider because they don't understand it. So great point. And the impact is huge. It I, is. I mean, I can't think of for a three million dollar plan. You know, if you project the cost savings and what that means for retirements, you could easily be talking about two to three million of extra retirement savings if you're able to lower your fees. Um, right. And to be frank, that literally can be done. The entire analysis end to end, getting competitive quotes can be done in 30 minutes. Wow. <laughs> I can't think of any, too many other things plan sponsors can do in 30 minutes that can literally generate millions of extra dollars for their employees by retirement. Right. Wow. Yeah, so that's this, this is the part point. I needs to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Great. Great point. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, you, you might get some follow up from people listening to this saying, wow, I didn't know that was an option. And, uh, you know, they, they I'm sure will want to take advantage of that because I think that's a great opportunity for them. Yeah. So speaking of that follow up, um, we have a couple minutes left here and I want to make sure people know how to get a hold of you. So what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, so either go to forusall.com, F-O-R-U-S-A-L-L.com. Just click on the button. You could quickly click the Contact Us button. You could quickly set up some time where we can share with you some of the tools. Or if all you're interested in is a a quick uh, pricing analysis, happy to do that. Um, Or you could email me at uh, david at forusall.com, D-A-V-I-D at forusall.com. Great. Although when we get on the phone, I'm going to remind you that I actually go by David instead of David. I know you, you caught me in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm I missed it. So I apologize for that. Um, but yeah, in addition, you can reach us. Um, you know, we're always looking for hot topics for the podcast and, and great guests um, as, as we have today. So um, you can reach us um, at audit, A-U-D-I-T, at summitcpa.net. S-U-M-M-I-T-C-P-A.net. Again, we're always looking for topics or guests and love people reaching out to us. So um, any final thoughts for today before we um, end this podcast? Yeah, I think now more than ever, the 401k plan is probably one of those benefits that can provide unique value to employees. And it's not just by saving. It's really, as we think of it, all of us are struggling with 
how much the world has changed and whether you're one out of two American families that have suffered income and just needs help figuring out how to make ends meet or whether you're somebody getting closer to retirement and unsure of what you should be doing on your portfolio um, to really protect your life savings. I think now is a critical time for all of us to reach out and uh, help people make smarter financial decisions. Awesome. And let them know they're not alone. <laughs> That's great. That's really Absolutely. Great. Yeah. I don't have anything else, Jamie. I, I, I want to thank David for uh, all your time and, and joining us today on the podcast. I think you gave us some really wonderful information and um, I, I would encourage our listeners to uh, to reach out um, to those emails that we threw out. And uh, if, if you missed anything, reach out to us here at Summit and we'd be happy to to pass along that information as well if you didn't catch it there. Yep, I agree. Well, thanks thanks for joining us. And again, this, I think this is a great show and very informative. All right. Thank you both so much. Thank, thank you. you. Enjoyed this episode? Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving 401k audit success. We're here to be a resource with ever-changing rules and regulations.